0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Crispin Fletcher-Louis was the founder of Westminster Theological Centre. So he actually kicked it off in the first place and uh, he is an incredible teacher. He's like absolutely world class. So, um, And I read some of the things that he was putting out on his blog and things that he's been uh, writing about and it actually goes further than about how we as Christians are a kingdom of priests. And he says actually we need to see ourselves biblically as being a kingdom of high priests. And when I read that I was like blew my mind because I don't think the church is anywhere near uh, getting people to think of themselves as being a kingdom of priests. So to kind of raise the bar on that was something I was really super interested in, and uh, chatted to him about it and said, you know, would you come and bring that to us? And because um, it's got massive implications uh, for us as, uh, as as disciples of Jesus in terms of what we see ourselves as, um, and to see ourselves um, as God says that we are. So I really encourage you to get along to that. It will be a, a cracking day. Um, now. I think it's a bit dark in here, personally. Um, so if we can flick the lights on, so I can see if anybody falls asleep. And and if you are somebody who falls asleep in any your services, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, if you see me starting to nod off, I give you permission to nudge me. All right, just do that, please. Okay. And then and then you say to the other person, you say to the other person, don't worry, I will. Okay. Great, because we're going to look at something important tonight. I want to talk tonight about a method of Bible study that has provided something of a foundation for my spiritual life for many years. And this comes from a centuries-old Christian tradition, and you don't need to know yet that it has a Latin name, but it's an incredible tool for developing um, a closer walk with Christ through prayer and Bible reading and we're in this year of prayer and we want to look at how the Bible can help us to pray um, and if you were here this morning I t- and, and we would have said this in lots of other places too but I talked this morning about how we don't just want to be reading, we want to be feeding when we come to the Bible. We don't just want to read the Bible, we want it to feed us. I don't just want to get some information, I want transformation and if we, if we do this, this will create spiritual change in your life. If you do what I encourage you to do tonight regularly, it will change your life. Um, God will change your life more and more every day. How do I know? I know because that's the goal of scripture. The Bible wasn't given to us just for information. The reason God gave it to us, his goal for the Bible is that it would be this two-edged sword that he uses to be able to and be transformative in our lives. And it isn't just about accumulating more and more knowledge, it's about accelerating more and more change into everything that God calls us to be and all the things that he calls us to do. Now anybody who knows me reasonably well will know that I read a lot of books. Um, I can't recall a time, to be honest with you, for about the last 30 years when I've not read about three books a week. I read a lot of books, all kinds of books. I can't stop reading books, I'm addicted to books. I was in the Barbers, I didn't have a book. I'm reading anything, because I can't bear to just sit there and not read something. I want my mind to be fed, I want to grow, I want to learn. I can't imagine how anybody can sit on an aeroplane, and waste all those hours not reading. I I can't imagine it. To me, it's like those are the times. If If I can get time to read, I love it. And I make time to read. And it is brilliant. And the reason that I read so much, do you know why I read so much? Because I read so much. The more you read, the more you'll read. The less you read, the less you'll read. You look at somebody's reading life from school when we're forced to read and people go up, 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 because they're forced to read. Somebody's making you read. That's not your own discipline. That's somebody making you do something so you read it. Then perhaps you are fortunate enough to go to university. You're made to read for a course. You're made to read. People's reading level goes up and the more they read, the more they read. And then they get to a certain point, and now they finish university or whatever, and they go to work. Guess what? Nobody's making you read anymore. So, what do people do? They stop reading. They, they, they stop reading, or bits of things on the internet or whatever, BuzzFeed. You know? That's the kind of stuff that people feel, fill their minds with. And um, I say, I, I mean, I appreciate it. Some people have difficulty, there's dyslexia and all those different kinds of things, but you can listen. You can, if you want to learn, you can grow. There's ways for us to be able to do this. And I, I think that I've, I've always been a fast reader, but's got it gets faster. And I want to get faster. I want to read more. I want to learn more. I can't just sit there. I want to, I want to learn more. I recently read a book that I really enjoyed called "Becoming a Super Learner." And it was about how not just to read faster, but to retain more of what you read. And I already read fast, and I always already retain a lot of what I read. But I read the book because I want to read faster and I want to retain more. And it's actually not that difficult. It's practice. It's like your brain grows when you use it. It really is. It's like a muscle. Right now, I'm reading a book on how teams work. I'm reading a book about how to use stories to be a better speaker. I've just finished a book all about the time of the plague and the great fire of London. And um, it was really well written. See, these books are informative. They give me information, but they don't change my life. Most of them, at the end of them, I can go, oh, that's interesting. But I've not really changed my life. But the Bible's given to change our lives. Unfortunately most people don't read the Bible. 9%, less than 9% of people in a study 10 years ago said that they regularly read the Bible. And the fact is, among Christians in churches, it isn't actually that much higher, unfortunately, the amount of people who regularly read the Bible for themselves. I'm not talking about having the Bible read to you when you come to church. I mean, you do it yourself. And even when they do read the Bible, sometimes Christians, well obviously not you, but we read the bible for information and we're picking things out and maybe we kind of go oh that was interesting um but it, it can just be like information it's just like that book i just read all about 1666 it never re- kind of went in and was interested, and never really did much for me and you can read the bible like that so you're reading about the the jebusites and the amalekites and the stalagmites and stalactites and all these different kinds of people and you're like which king begat which king and all those different kinds of things. And it just sort of is information. It's not really changing your life very much. So I want to look at how do we read it so that it actually does what it's intended and what God wants to do. Because you know, sometimes many people seem to go looking for the Bible just to prove a point. You know, just to show that I know something and I've got a better view of the end times than you have or something like that. And they're like looking for a fight rather than looking to be more like Jesus, rather than learning how to love, rather than learning how to love God and love other people, which is the, the point, I think, you know, rather than looking at what's God saying to me, it's more about what do I know so I can show you that I know what you don't know. And of course, knowledge about the Bible is good. Knowledge of Bible history and geography and all those different kinds of things is really good. And we encourage people to, to get into You know, theology, we encourage people to do, Westminster Theological Centre, or, you know, other brands are available. But we want people to to learn because we know that what we believe matters. The Bible itself warns about doctrine being something that you can be led astray from wrong teaching, be led away from Jesus. So that doesn't mean, though, that what we want to do is just learn more so that we can out-disagree somebody so that we can win the fight in some way with somebody else. The goal is not to know more, it's to know him more. The goal is transformation, not just information. So tonight I'm going to talk to you about a style or a technique of Bible study that I found useful and helpful for many years. And maybe you've used it too in different variations of this thing. So many ways that we can read and study scripture. But this has proven to me to be one of the the ones that's helped me a lot. And and this comes in... in, um, It comes in the category, some people talk and write about spiritual formation. You might have heard that phrase before, spiritual formation. It's like a a branch of discipleship if you're going to get into these different terms. But actually, spiritual formation is not just an optional extra for people who like that kind of thing. You know, like some certain esoteric Christian types who like to go on retreats and, you know, go and do spiritual formation. Because the fact is, spiritual formation happens to everybody. All the time. Spiritual formation is, every, is for everybody because everybody's spirit is being formed all the time, one way or another. Do you think if somebody spends their time looking at porn, to be honest with you, I'll say it, worshipping porn, because it is idolatry, do you think that that person who's playing violent video games over and over is having their spirit formed by that absolutely that spiritual formation is taking place right there do you think the TV do you think the shopping channel YouTube they're they're forming people's spirits all the time around what's important, what matters to me. And there's an outer you that is being formed and there's an inner you that's being formed all the time. And don't let it happen by accident. We're called as Christians to let it happen on purpose and to be formed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. God made you in his image. So you have a spirit, and the day you give your life back to God, in the name of Jesus Christ, he brings your spirit back to life and begins to form it and shape it. And your spirit is constantly being shaped and tugged at by everything you hear, everything you watch, everything you see, everything you read, everything you think about. It's shaping your spiritual experience. It's shaping your spiritual life, for better or for worse, You choose. You choose. Nobody can do this for for me. Everybody is being formed spiritually all the time. Whether they like it or not, whether they want to or not, whether you're a Christian or not. The question isn't, will I sign up for spiritual formation? The question is, what kind of spiritual formation am I signing up for? Who, what is shaping my life? So, What we'll look at as part of Ivy's year of prayer and Bible study is closely look to how we pray, various ways we pray. And I say this every time in all these evening talks when we've talked about different techniques of prayer, that's all they are, the techniques. It's not something that we're going to say, every Christian must do this, this is the only way that it works or anything like that. We just want to say, here's a, a practice that some people have used as Christians and some people have found it helpful. Why don't you give it a go? Perhaps you'll find it helpful too. But it's not the way it's a way that some people have found brings them closer to Jesus who is the way. You know, it's not like everybody must do it like this. Christians are the worst for that, aren't they? You know, it's like, oh, I've found a way. Now it's got to be the way for everybody else. It's like, no, get over yourself. <laughs> Any spiritual technique is always just an inch away from becoming legal, legalism. So that, this, this isn't the way. This isn't a magic formula. This isn't like if you do this, um, you know. The goal is not growth in itself. The goal is always love, that's it. The goal is always love. It's way better to be a loving person with no idea how you got there than a spiritual, super spiritual person, so-called spiritual expert who nobody can stand to be around. In my opinion. So, Christians have for centuries done something which I've called transformational Bible study because I think it sounds cool. But there's a Latin name for this that other people have used, a similar kind of pattern anyway to this thing that I've done before I even knew it had a name. And and it's called Lectio Divina. This has nothing to do with Divina McCall or Hannibal Lecter. It's Latin, Lectio, reading. Divina, spiritual or holy. Lectio Divina is slow. So despite what I said before about being able to read really super fast, this is not that, this is slow. This is contemplative. This is reading and praying through scripture so you don't just read but you feed and you experience a life changing union with God through interacting with his word and it consists of four parts and it's dead simple and you can do this. Say I can do this. You can do this. Number one, first part is reading. Lectio. If you can read you can do it if you can't read you can listen. In an article I posted online this week, Philip Yancey wrote about how our technology is threatening our attention spans. He said this, I'm reading many fewer books these days, and even fewer of the kind of books that require hard thinking. The internet and social media have trained my brain to read a paragraph or two, then start looking around. When I read an online article from the New Yorker, after a few paragraphs, I glance over at the sidebar to judge the article's length. My mind strays. I find myself clicking on sidebars and the underlying links. Soon, I'm over at CNN.com reading Donald Trump's latest tweets and details of a latest terrorist attack or perhaps checking tomorrow's weather. Worse, I fall prey to the little boxes that tell me, if you like this article, you'll also like, and I glance at the bottom of the screen and scan the teasers for more engaging tidbits, 10 celebrity wardrobe malfunctions. Walmart cameras captured these hilarious photos. A dozen or more clicks, I've totally lost interest in the original article. Neuroscientists have an explanation for this phenomenon. When we learn something quick and new, we get a dopamine rush. Functional MRI brain scans show the brain's pleasure centre lights up. In a famous experiment, rats keep pressing a lever to get that dopamine rush, choosing it over food or sex. In humans, emails also satisfy that pleasure centre, as do Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. So maybe before you do this, you need to turn off them. Maybe we go for no notifications. Maybe we go airplane mode, because we're going to go high with God and connect with him we have to do that I have to do that slow down doesn't just mean read slowly it means you know take a breath in fact that's how I do let's do it in through your nose hold it let it out twice as slow do that three times you're relaxed wherever you are it's such a good thing I do that a lot because I need to relax a lot and I just go in one more time hold it, out twice as as slow, it's good, I find I can only really do this with a paper version to be honest because there's too much to drag me away on my, especially on my phone, on my devices 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 says, we have to watch out that the devil doesn't outwit us. It says, because we are, we are not unaware of his devices. <laughs> mm. Devices can divide our attention away from God. So I actually, when I'm doing this, I open my Bible. I've got a few of them. I, I have different ones, but every morning, see, this is different from every morning. I, 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 I open my device, and I have a, a Your View version. I, I, I sit there with Zoe, and we listen. We do the Bible in a year. I've done it for years. We listen to the Bible, four-ish chapters. At the moment, we're doing Bible chronologically. We, li- we sit and listen to that, that's how, and we go through the Bible in a year, listening to it, and sometimes I'm reading along with it. But this is not that. Because that, for me, that's like telescope, that's like looking for the big picture of the Bible. It's important to do that. This is more microscope. This is, going, this is digging in. This isn't just skimming over the surface. You, I think it's good to do both. But with this, this is slow. This is reverential reading. This is like, this is the word of God. I'm going to take my time with it. I'm going to make time to take time with this. I'm going to let the word sink in one at Ah, time. <laughs> I want to I let it soak in a little bit. And we're not accustomed, are we, to reading this way? We, 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 we read a... I, 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 I can read at about 450 words a minute. So I read novels like vroom, pages, just go through them. I just read them because I'm not bothered about them. It's just a story. I'm like reading like it's a movie. I want to get to the action. With this, I'm slowing right down intentionally. I'm getting a modern translation. I, see, I can, I can breeze through a gospel really, really quickly, but this isn't that. This is what I, I want it to transform me. So I'm going to get a passage, maybe a well-known passage, rather than one I'm going to have to spend a lot of time working on. Like we're going to be reading psalms a lot in the summer. We're going to go right through lots of the psalms. And so to get a head start, we could look at one psalm. So I did this, actually, rather than just talking about it as as something that I encourage you to do, I actually did it a couple of days ago and I opened up my Bible and I ended up at Psalm 1 and I started to read Psalm 1. And then I did a little Lectio Divina study on that. That was the passage that I chose so what do you do? You, you, know, you, you get something like that. Or it could be one of Paul's letters or it could be a, something out of the Gospels. And you, you choose a passage anyway and you read it through slowly. Say slowly. slowly. Say it a bit more slowly. Slowly. You read it through slowly once. Yeah? And then you slow down. And then you read it through again. Slowly slowly once which makes two (laughs) why why am I doing this the purpose is to let God speak to me through his word so I'm learning how, how I can be obedient to what he's telling me and I say my tendency tends to be go 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 fast 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 tick 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 next thing next thing so I take a few deep breaths, take a moment just to be still. I get, I'm really silent and, I'm, and I pray and I invite the Holy Spirit, please now come and show me anything, Lord, that you want me to know or to do. Give me your truth, help me to remember it. It's absolutely vital to remember what God's telling you when you do this. Because again, I don't know about, maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes I'll do those four chapters or however many it is and afterwards, if you say to me, What was your Bible reading today? I'm like, It was in the Bible. But I can't really remember it. This is remembering. This is not skimming, so to, I forget it. So I read it again. Slowly. And maybe I read it again. Because I'm getting there. I'm, I'm letting it soak in. And I, as I'm reading, I'm staying alert. Maybe a word. Maybe a metaphor, maybe a picture. Maybe something's going to go pop. Something's going to stick out. Something's going to stand out. Something's going to be like, if I had a highlighter, I'd use it on that. Something catches my eye. Something connects with my emotions. Maybe I'll say it out loud. That's a good thing to do. I'll say it out loud. I'll linger over it. This is how I start my sermon preparation as well, by the way. Transformational Bible study starts with a slow... Reverential reading of the text because it's the word of God. The second step is meditatio. Guess what that means? After you read the Bible two or three times, you meditate on it. That means just means you think deeply about it. Now, some people have ignorantly dismissed this practice because they say, Oh, well, meditation's not right. It's not Good that you meditate, and that's like an Eastern thing, or you know, it's like a Buddhist thing. They meditate; we don't do that. The problem with that is we're encouraged all the way through the Bible to meditate on the Bible, yep. time and time again. The Bible encourages us to meditate on the Bible. Genesis chapter twenty-four, verse sixty-three; Joshua one, verse eight; Psalm one, verse two. We'll see that in a minute. Psalm forty-eight, verse nine; Psalm seventy-seven, verse three; Psalm one hundred and nineteen, verse fifteen; Psalm one hundred and forty-three, verse five. The difference is Eastern meditation. The object is detachment and an empty mind. Christian meditation, the objective is attachment to God and to fill your mind and fill your heart with the word of God. In biblical meditation, this is, I think, part of what Paul talks about when he says about to renew your mind. This is what's happening. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're retraining our thoughts. We're doing what Philippians 4 verse 8 says. Intentionally, we're thinking about whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. think on these things. So I'm reading the passage, whatever it is, and I'm thinking, what does Paul mean by that? What what was he saying? Why did he use those words? What did Jesus say? What what, what was that? Sometimes I can even put myself in the picture. I can think. I'm there at the feeding of the 5,000 or whatever. I'm, I'm like, imagine I was there when that woman reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I'm starting to picture myself as being there. I'm using my sanctified imagination. Sometimes I read the notes if I have a study Bible, but not all the time because they're somebody else's thoughts I'll tell you a weird thing that happened do you remember years ago there was this thing that happened in churches where um, people, were, there were, people were saying that there, were, there was gold dust that was appearing in, chur- in churches you might have heard about that you might not have done it it was a funny thing that happening in various churches and people were saying that they were praying they'd have like gold dust appearing on their hands or, um, you know, and I was like oh, I don't know about that yeah, my general na- natural inclination ooh sounds a bit dodgy I don't know Anyway, then generally with things like that, my first reaction is, oh, I don't know about that. Second is like, oh, it's interesting. And the third one is, go on then, Lord, if you want to do it. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then one morning, I've got this Bible. I can show you it upstairs. It's my oldest Bible is one I've had for years. It's a great, big, thick, proper Bible, study Bible with a black zip on it, you know, the leather one with a pocket. It's great. It's massive, huge, bigger than yours. It's great. <laughs> and this Bible... I opened it one morning, and I've been i been praying earlier that morning. I came to open it, and there was, there was there was gold dust all over my Bible. It was like it was all over it. I was like, "What's that?" But when I say all over it, actually, it wasn't all over. When I looked at it closely, it was all over the Bible bits, but it wasn't on the study notes. Because that's the Word of God. That was the Word of man. I never forgot that. Anyway, we stayed for quite a while. It was good. Anyway, see, the study notes are just somebody else's thoughts, but we want God's thoughts. And actually, the Bible says if we read the Bible, if we're engaging with the Spirit like this, He will teach us. There's a promise in the Bible that the Holy Spirit Himself will be our teacher. That's why, you know, you have to get the Spirit-filled life explanation Bible or something like that. You've got the Holy Spirit to be able to help us. 1 John 2 verse 27 says this, the anointing which you received remains in you and you do not need for anybody to teach you but as his anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. It's like God's Holy Spirit can bring discernment and can give, in, 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 the, the Bible says that, that we can have knowledge above that of our teachers because we've got the wisdom of God right here. That, that's why, you know, you can go to places where they've never been to a theological college. They've never had all kinds of access to the internet and all these different kinds of things. And they just know God and they know the Bible so incredibly well. So I'll give a This is the, the, the way I did it the other day. I, I look at Psalm 1. In the summer, we'll... We're going to be doing some study on that. I read verse one. Blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So, okay. What does that mean? I'm praying. Walk stands out to me. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. That word struck me. So I'm like, what's that? He must be thinking about choosing your company carefully. Look who you walk with, who you take advice from. There are ungodly people, there are untrustworthy people, there are evil people. Whose counsel am I getting? Whose counsel do I walk in most of the time? Is this something I have a problem with? Could this be a problem for me, Or maybe what jumps out at me next is, stand in the way of sinners. What does that mean? Well, another version, the NASV says, actually to stand in the path of sinners. Like there's a, there's a well-trodden path that sinners walk down and it's possible to be on that same path as where everybody else is going. And maybe that's about being careful to not go into the place where you're going to be easily tempted. To just go back to the old ways like you used to. Because you know from experience and common sense, that if you hang around in those places, doing those kind of things with those kind of people, is going to take you back to that place, isn't it? You know, like if somebody's got a real problem with drinking, they keep hanging around with those old buddies in those old places. See, pretty soon after I became a Christian, I realised that there are some people who don't care if I'm holy or not. In fact, they would be really happy to see me fall. They would be really happy for me to join in and just prove it's true that I'm just the same as I always was. I'm just the same as everybody else. Know, do you know what I mean? Yes. There are people who do not want me to be a stronger disciple of Jesus Christ. So this, is, this isn't saying I can't hang around. I must only go to you know, Christian table tennis festivals or something. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's basically saying that, no, I've just got to watch out that I'm... That when I'm with other people, the Bible says "Good, bad company corrupts good character. So I've got a, I'm have got warned here. But then I'm not just warned, I'm given a promise. Because in verse 3 it says, This is the promise about the one who delights in the law of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See, how is in the, the police. Some great guys, really good guys, but too many of them. I've gone to their um, I've gone to retirement dues and then they ask about how was such and such your buddy. Oh he died. Like died, yeah, and died a drink. And he's like divorced three times and just kind of people just messing up their lives by those kind of choices. And I'm glad I stopped walking with them. I'm glad I stopped standing in the same paths that I used to to be in because now I know where they lead, but I can be like a tree planted by water. And when I go to those retirement dudes, I might have said this before, they all say, wow, you look really well. You look really young. And, it, and it's like, do you know why? I'm not gonna say this, but it's like, because I'm planted in the right place. And there's, there's streams of living water that are flowing into me. And I don't have to be fearful of a drought, there's a source that I've got for my life that will never ever run dry because I'm like that tree. I've been planted there by God. And God says if I delight in his word, I'm going to be like that more and more. And whatever I do will prosper. Who wants that? Me and my son do. Anybody else? Whatever I do will prosper. How about you? Well, how, how does it happen? Do you spend much of your life meditating on the word of God? Because that's what the promise is delighting in the law of God you'll see that promise come true he's got to be talking there about not just reading it he's talking about feeding it feeding you he's not just talking about learning it he's talking about loving it and living it that's when you're a tree planted by streams of living water that's the benefit of meditating on scripture thinking what does it say, what does it mean how does this fit into my life God's speaking, what's he saying to me I used to have that written. I've got it written in another one of my books. This is God speaking to me. That's what it is when I read the Bible. God wants to speak to me. Then stage three prayer. Latin word, orato, orato, oratio. You take, I probably said they're completely wrong. Anybody good at Latin? Go on then. Oratio. There we go. Thank you. You take the thoughts, the words, the actions, the fears, the convictions, the questions that you've meditated on and you just offer them to God in prayer. Just a conversation with God. Just a, not, not a monologue, a dialogue with God. Many of us, when we pray, we do all the talking, but God wants to talk too. It's like he wants us to listen to him. We don't want just half a conversation. And I promise you, if you do this, God will speak to you. People say, oh, I don't think God ever speaks to me. God will speak to you if you do this unmistakably and regularly. I'm not necessarily referring to some audible voice where you're reading it and you'll go, hello, it wouldn't be like that. It's more like, when God speaks, actually it's, it's, more, it's more real to me sometimes than an audible voice. I just know he's speaking. And he's speaking in here and sometimes he is speaking right off the words. I'll read it and I'll be like, oh wow. That is what I'm talking about. That's God there, right there. I wish He wasn't so clear. That's what I get too often. Because it's the word of God, and you're like, oh, God. So, what are you saying? You'll know. You'll know what he's saying. And you can pour out your heart to him. And if it's something challenging, you can say, God. Please give me what I need to be able to do what you're telling me to do. Give me the the guidance that I need, the direction. Give me the strength to be able to do something. And if it seems impossible, just keep talking over with him. And um, the more you pray about it, the more you'll get that power and wisdom being released into your life. And then the final stage is contemplatio. I'm going to call it contemplation. (laughs) <laughs> and it might seem contemplation and meditation are just the same thing because often in, our, in the English well, it's the way we tend to think about it it's just there's not much distinction but here's the distinction between the two meditation is thinking about what God's word says contemplation is me nailing down what I'll do about what God says it's how am I going to put it into action It's like, what does the word mean? Great. Now what am I going to do about it? It, As you prayerfully read the scriptures, you're going to find that there are biblical truths and principles, there'll be warnings, there'll be insights, and it will be different. It can be different every single time, even if you've read that same passage. How many times have we had this happen? You've read that passage loads of times, and then you're like, I never saw that before, or I never saw it that way before, because it's a living word, isn't it? It's the living word of God. so the goal here is to define something specific God wants me to do that I'm going to do as a result of reading this. Because otherwise, James chapter 1 verse 22 says, says If we don't do that, then we'll be hearers only and so deceive ourselves because we're not being doers of the word. So the way this works is I tend to, if I'm doing it, basically put something around. If I'm if I'm journaling, I'm rubbish at journaling, but I don't sometimes even need to do this. I know what I'm meant to be doing, which is this. God said, and so. Every time when I do this, I, I think about it, and then I, I kind of go through that phrase or I write it down. God has said this. To this time that I've had, spent with him and his word. And so today, I need to, and I commit to an action based upon what God has just told me to do. And the, the secret of this is very often is, do it as soon as he told you. Don't think I'll do that later on. Because often I'll end up not doing it. Get used to quick obedience. And God will show you more and tell you more. If he knows that you're somebody who's going to do what he says, he'll tell you more. He'll say more. So, and again, you know, I can't think of a time when I prepare a sermon and I haven't had an action point in it. If you ever find me doing that, sack me. Because that's part of my job. So it better be the case when I'm preaching to myself too. That I don't just read the Bible and get information and don't get anything to do as a result of it. God always, I believe, Always, always reveals a specific action that I can take if I think and pray enough about it. There'll be something for me to do that's going to help me to love Him or love people or grow in holiness or walk in obedience or extend His kingdom. Something will be clear for me to do and to choose. And again, it's not usually something hard to understand. That doesn't mean it's necessarily easy for me to do. So it could be like simple as like today, I need to ring up Andy Hawthorne and encourage him. That could be it. Or I need today, this morning, I need to apologise to Zoe for being a nana. <laughs> or um, today or this week, I I will I need to turn off the TV in the evenings and spend that time with God. Or Today I need to spend not spend some money on me but give some money to that or to that need or opportunity. I'm amazed how consistent see I can't just read about generosity and go away the same. Otherwise I'm like somebody who looks in a mirror and forgets what they look like. And so often we end up doing this whatever it is that God speaks to us we go, oh that was good. And just live as if it wasn't. I'm amazed how consistently God speaks to me through his word directly into what's going on in my life. And it could be about a temptation I'm facing or I'm struggling with worry or I need wisdom. When I'm doing my taxes, it's amazing how many verses around honesty start to come up in the Bible around the time when I'm working on that kind of stuff. Or when I'm tempted to waste my time away just being lazy or... um, You know, thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, God loves me anyway, it's all right. And then I'll pick up the Bible and it'll be talking about a sluggard. (laughs) (laughs) The lazy man, and I'll be like, oh, Lord. God speaks consistently if we read regularly and if we read deeply and if we do the work, God will speak. And if we commit to do it, you're not done till it's done. We haven't done the Bible study until we've done what the Bible told us to do. And so, I will. God help. So, four transformational steps. You don't need the Latin. I don't even know how to pronounce it. So instead, read. Say that, with me. Read, think, pray, act. One more time. Read, think, pray, act. Amen. Let's pray now. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to me through your word. What's God saying to you right now tonight as we've talked about his word? Just meditate for a moment. Take the deep breath in here if you need to. He's got an individual message for you. He's not telling you necessarily to do the same as anybody else here. And Lord, I thank you that with the challenge to change, there always comes the promise of blessing. Thank you that you love me and you speak to me and you're patient with me. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word and I pray for everybody listening that you would release the power of your divine inspired word to be transformational in our lives as we are doers of the word, not only hearers. I pray that our spirits would be formed, nurtured, shaped by your truth. That we would be like those trees, planted in the right place, flourishing in every season so that what we do will prosper, and you receive the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward/media.